Jen, owner of Jen Davis Design. And I'm Giselle, owner of Wander Design Co. We're so excited to welcome you to Better, a brand designer podcast. We have open and honest discussions about what it's really like to run a design business, diving into the stuff you just don't see on Instagram. We're all about giving you actionable advice and fostering a supportive community of the coworkers you're missing. Just remember, the only designer you need to be better than is the one you were yesterday. Hey everyone, um, I am so excited to be here with Giselle for our episode about presenting concepts to clients. Um, before we get started, we always like to do a little bit of an intro question. Um, so our question for today is, what is your favorite illustrator shortcut? Giselle, do you want to go first? Yeah, definitely. Hands down, it's the Command 7 shortcut, which is the clipping mask shortcut. Because I use that um, so much. I do not know what this is. Can you please enlighten me? <laughs> yeah. You know when you make clipping masks and you usually do like a right click and you choose um, create clipping mask yeah. with selected objects or mm-hmm. something? The shortcut for that is command seven. And let me know if I'm making this up because I might have made it my own shortcut or maybe it's a standard. But check it out and let me know if, uh, if it works out for you. I'm totally like, I wish you guys could see my face right now because I feel like my jaw is completely dropped. Like, <laughs> and it is funny. Like that's the thing that I love about Illustrator is that like, you can feel like so comfortable in it, but then you learn something from someone mm-hmm. and it's just absolutely game changing. Okay. So I have two favorites. Okay. My first favorite is command D, which is I don't know what the actual phrase is, but it's like copy your most recent action. Yeah. So if you're trying to like say you want to have evenly spaced circles, like with the same amount of space in between each one, you make a circle and then, you know, option drag to copy it. And then you just hit command D and it will just copy that action over and over again. So I love that one. That's like a more recent one for me. Yeah, that's such a great one. Yes, it's amazing. The most recent one I learned from my friend Mary, um, and it's aligned to key object. And like, I literally, this is such a basic one that you guys probably all know about it, but like, it's where you are trying to align two objects using the align tool, but you want one object to be the one that the other object aligns to. So if you've selected both objects, you just click again on the object, the key object, and then you can align another object to it. And so like, I feel like I should have known this for such a long time and y'all are probably rolling your eyes like, oh my gosh, I can't (laughs) believe she has a podcast about design and didn't know about aligned key object. But that is one, like hands down, one of my favorite Illustrator shortcuts. Yes. And I'm so glad that you know this now, at least. (laughs) I know. I know. They save so much time. Oh, I know. I'm all about shortcuts. Every time I see um, my husband, because I taught him how to use Illustrator and he's like grown since then. Oh my gosh. But every time I see him not using shortcuts, I like... I just like cringe inside a little bit because I'm like, you could be saving like two seconds. <laughs> at least, at least command X and command V. If, yeah. if, you, if you don't <laughs> use any shortcuts, at least do be doing some copy paste with command X and command V, assuming yeah. y'all are on that, <laughs> which you probably are because branding. <laughs> so um, let's jump into our topic for today. Um, this is something that's really been kind of like forefront for me recently presenting concepts to clients. And there are so many different things that I feel like we could talk about with this, with this topic, but I really wanted to hone in on two of them, which is like how many concepts to present 
and what format to present your concepts. Yeah, this is going to be such a great topic. Oh my gosh, yeah. Well, I, you know, I just like have this story just like like bubbling up. I just like need to share it with you guys. So um, this is really relevant to me because I was actually chatting with another designer who hired me as a contractor because she has like a lot of overflow work. And we were trying to figure out the best way to merge our processes so that I could stay really true to myself and the way I design. And so that she could still retain like the integrity of her process. And I actually ended up telling her about the one concept method, which we're going to go over later. If you've never heard of it, like don't freak out. It's going to be okay. <laughs> but I told her all about how I use the one concept method. And she she sh- um, shows multiple concepts to her clients. And she actually tried the one concept method after I told her about it and found amazing success. Um, the client loved it right off the bat. Um And it was really, really scary for her going from multiple concepts to just showing one. But as we'll explain later in the podcast, like there are so many amazing things about the one concept method. So I'm going to try to make it not as much me like championing the one concept method, but it's probably going to turn into that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is going to be such a great um, episode because this is something that a lot of designers still don't know about. And um same as you, Jen, like, you know, that I also do the one concept method mm-hmm. and I've never looked back yeah. because it really does create much better success. And it provides, as we'll talk about more, it just provides a better solution for the client as well. So it's a happy win-win for each of us. Yes, it absolutely is. Um, so I wanted to ask you, Giselle, actually, do, like, what do you feel like is industry standard for brand designers? Like, I, I always felt like it was showing multiple concepts was industry standard, but maybe so many people are using the one concept method now, but maybe it's shifted a little bit. I just, I would love to get your input on that. Yeah, sure. Um, from when I was working as an employee for other companies, uh, it was definitely giving like two to three concepts. And in fact, there was a little more psychology into that too. So we wouldn't usually present two because then they just compare them. Um, Cause that's just mm, like psycho- okay. psychology. You just want to compare two things if there's always two of something. So we would provide a third, which would be um, the one that we didn't want them to choose. And of course, like they would always choose the one that we didn't want them to choose. <laughs> and that's when I realized, okay, there's something wrong with doing like three concepts. Yeah. Besides my anecdotal evidence, like there's just, it's still um, pretty much a, I wouldn't call it a standard maybe now, but it's definitely something that you see a lot more than doing the one yeah. concept. Okay. That's, that's good to know. I, maybe I'm just like in my little, you know, Instagram bubble where a lot of the people that I follow are doing a similar process to me. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I have had experience showing multiple concepts, um, kind of like you, I, I didn't work for a long time at an agency, but I did intern at an agency and, uh, for my limited time there, they um, presented multiple concepts to clients. And I, I also saw the same problems where, you know, as much as you want to be able to design like really, really multiple strong concepts, there's always going to be one or two that are weaker and there's always going to be a winner. You know, there's always going to be one that you're like, man, I really hope they pick this one. Yeah. Um, and, and also when we were doing exploration and when I, you know, I was helping out the other designers just kind of explore, there was always one that I would keep coming back to and be like, this is just obviously the best solution for this client, for this brand, you know, uh-huh. like the other, and, and then that made us want to, like, we felt like we had to continue because we had to fill those slots of showing multiple concepts. Yeah. And so it's almost like, because of that, like they weren't as strong. 
So there's so much going on there. Um, but that is a, and we'll, we'll talk, we'll discuss more about, you know, the psychology behind it, but, um, moving on to the one concept method, which we've said like 18 billion times already in this (laughs) podcast. Um, let me just explain what that is for anyone who doesn't know how it works. So the one concept method is pretty straightforward. You are in your exploratory design phase. You've got an illustrator file full of different logos and, you know, directions. And there's one that kind of comes to the surface as the strongest solution. Um, and then you pursue that one very deeply. So you, you know, start making marks, you start making secondary logos out of it, you know, like you do a bunch of different little tweaks to it to see like how it looks. Um, you really give that one a lot of care and attention. And in your in your presentation to your client, that's the only concept that you present to them. You don't have backups. There's no, oh, if you don't like this, then we could go this direction. It's very confident. It's very, this is what I've come up with for you. And these are the reasons why it is the strongest solution. And then also in my concept presentations, I like to include a lot of uh, mock-ups to show, to show the client, you know, like, this is the logo, but here's what it could look like on your business card. Here's what it could look like on your website, et cetera, et cetera. So that's kind of a, a little overview of what that method is. And does that sound pretty similar to what you do? Yeah, it is. Um, it's basically, I think, almost completely the same. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, like you present the one concept method as if this is the final design for the client. So mm-hmm. um, for those of you that um, are still trying to figure this out, imagine that you are the client and the designer is presenting you the one concept method. All you're seeing is as if your logo that the designer provided is already in real life, like the working logo for your business. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk more about what makes uh, the one concept method successful, like what you need to do to make it successful, because it can go wrong. And I think that's why some people it hasn't worked for them. Um, And we'll talk about that as well later on. Yes, exactly. Um, I love what you said about showing the logo as if, you know, it was already the one that they had chosen. It's mm-hmm. almost like a aspirational type of presentation where right? it's like, look how good your brand could be, you know, and like, there's really no other option there to compare it against. So the client, I feel is more likely to say yes with minimal refinements to a one concept, you know, presentation than to one that has multiple. So let's talk about the psychology behind choice. Um, and this is something like, I'm going to try and break it down. My husband's a psychology major, um, and he's like a total nerd about this type of thing. But what I think makes the one concept method so effective is that it eliminates the power of the client or, you know, the decision-making power from them to you. So they no longer have to decide between which one do they like better you have already done that for them and cut that step out of the process. It's not that you're only going to design one logo. Like you're going to explore a variety of different concepts. But, you know, you're not just going to you just show them like a bunch of different things and be like, oh, now the ball's in your court. We have to remember that, you know, even though the client hired us and sometimes paid us a lot of money to do what we're doing, like they hired us because we are the experts in design. They, if they knew a lot about design, they would probably just design their logo on their own. So 
Um, it's not a negative thing taking that choice away from them. It's actually a positive because it eliminates one more decision that they're going to have to make about something that they don't really know anything about. Yeah. I mentioned that I wanted to touch on the psychology of choice. And uh, let me just share this story about a psychology professor who ran a little study. She actually wrote a book about this. It's called The Art of Choosing. It's by Professor Sheena Iyengar. Um, and it's about jam in the grocery store. Yeah, I love this story. I can't wait for you to explain it to everybody. Yes. Yeah. So, and I promise this is going to have some a relationship to what we're talking about. I'm not just going out on a limb. I tend to do that sometimes. I do get off topic, but this is not one of those times. <laughs> so a grocery store presented customers with two different sampling stations, one with 24 flavors of jam and the other with only six flavors. The results of the study revealed that the availability of six options resulted in 30% of consumers purchasing at least one jar of jam, while the sampling station with 24 flavors had a conversion rate of only 3%. While the larger selection attracted more onlookers, the smaller selection actually generated more sales. And that is a direct quote from her book, but I really feel like this concept is relevant here because... I don't know. Has anyone ever sat down at a, a restaurant that has like a like a twenty page menu? How long does it take for you to decide what you want? And how like don't you feel like oh man, maybe I should have gone with something else once you get your meal? Like yeah, it's like completely overwhelmed. That happens to me every time I go to the Cheesecake Factory. So I end up choosing like the same thing. Literally, the Cheesecake Factory was the exact restaurant I was thinking about because <laughs> their menu is so comprehensive. I mean, like good on them, but I I have a hard time like chatting with people at restaurants and then also ordering food at the same time Like the waiter has to come back like three oh, yeah. times and it's like really embarrassing. Yeah. That's so hard. So <laughs> but like this 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 is so relevant here because when you present three, four, five, you know, six concepts to a client, you know, they see all of the different concepts and, you know, regardless of which one they end up choosing, there are ones that they had to say no to. Yeah. And I really, I mean, I'm not a psychology major. I, you know, I haven't done research on this, but this is just intuitive thinking on my part when they go with one concept and they know that there are other concepts that they didn't choose, I feel like sometimes it makes them less satisfied with their choice and therefore more likely to ask for more refinements than if you just show them one concept and then you do a little bit of refinement on that one concept and then that's their final logo. Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth in that. Like, for example, um, I don't know, do you guys have In-N-Out? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in and out and like Trader Joe's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like things like that. You know, you only have one product that you're choosing from and it's like so simple to choose and it, it feels less like you're missing out, almost like that FOMO concept, like fear of missing out. When when you're provided with all of these choices and you know, like saying yes to one means saying no to five and a lot of people have a lot of trouble with that. Yeah. And that's when Frankenstein logos come in, right? Yes. Just like, I don't want to say no to any of this because I don't want to miss out. So let's put them all together into this Frankenstein hideous logo that the designer doesn't want to create. I know. I feel like I feel like we've all had situations like that where it's like, oh, can you take this part from this one? And then I like the middle part from this one. And then can we make it in the color from the third one? And you as the designer are just tearing your hair out being like, no. Yeah. 
especially because you are the designer. The I think the one of the biggest mistakes you can make as a designer is to make your client the designer. Yes. So, I mean, there's a caveat to that too. So sometimes you do have to do what the client asks for. But in, in this case of like being a brand designer, this is your consultancy. Like you are the consultant and you're the one that's advising the client like, hey, you know, for the better of your target market and your business and your goals and this and that, then we want to go with this other, you know, version, which is, again, why the one concept method works so well, because you're the one, like you were saying, decides what's going to work really well for the client. Exactly. And I really feel like my process, at least, and we'll go into like the way our processes work in a later episode, but everything about my process is designed to reduce the amount of refinements and to increase the client satisfaction with your logo or, you know, your brand elements or whatever your website or, you know, whatever you're designing. I, I really feel like if your process doesn't have that as a goal, then you really should rethink, you know, what am I trying to do here? You know, when you present a logo to a client, it's, you know, not only a good business thing when they say, Hey, no refinements. I love it the way it is because that's less work for you. But it also means that their trust in you has gone way up. You know, their, their satisfaction that you like, you nailed it on the first try goes way up. You know, like you're probably more likely to get referrals, you know, like, Someone could be like, oh, you know, Giselle designed this and like she totally listened to what I had to say and she nailed it on the first try and I didn't even need to make any changes, you know, like Mm -hmm. that is such valuable, like, I don't, there's like a word for it, but you know, it's just, it's, it's so valuable to have a relationship with your client like that, you know, anytime that you can build trust with them um, and, and position yourself as an expert in your field with them is just, it's, it's incredibly valuable. Like most clients don't know that they should be provided three concepts. And I say should as in in quotes. Um, Yeah. Because a lot of designers think that I have to give all of these concepts to clients. Clients don't know any of that. Like a lot of clients don't even know that they should be, that they should see like two or five or 10 or one. Like they Mm. don't know. So like for me, I don't even mention the word one concept method to my clients. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. So we'll talk more about our processes later. But yeah, I just wanted to mm-hmm. bring that in um, sooner than later. That is so true. I mean, a lot of the times I feel like we put our clients on pedestals because we're so excited when someone wants to pay us what we ask to do, what we love to do. Um, but we do have to remember a lot of the time that we're the one who's steering the ship. You know, they've kind of come on board and they're, you know, providing us with you know, a list of what they want or what they don't like, or, you know, like, this is my vibe. This is not, you know, the questionnaire, et cetera. So we're not leaving them on the shore, but we're also not letting them take the steering wheel. You know, like we need to be the one saying like, this is the way I do it. Or you don't even need to say it exactly. Like you can just say, here's my concept presentation. I'm so excited to show this to you and make it so normal because your confidence in what you've created for them I feel like has such an impact on their confidence and what you've created for them. It really is such a psychological relationship. Yeah. So do you, would you like to start sharing your process on the one concept method and what makes it successful for you? Yes. Yeah. I would, I would love to do that. Um, so now that we've kind of discussed the differences between showing multiple concepts versus one, I wanted to um, share with you guys how I've gotten such success in using the one concept method. And most of the time with my, with my clients, when I, when I show them just the one concept, I have 
minimal or no refinements. And I know that sounds crazy. It sounds like how could a client just love it on the first try? And I'm not saying this to brag or to, you know, to do any of that. I just want to share this with you guys because that is how successful I found this, um, this method. So the way I do it is like I mentioned, you know, I open up Illustrator file, I just explode it. You know, it's not, it's messy, you know, like I like fonts everywhere, like things are outlined and not outlined. And we got strokes here and just like, it, it is crazy. I'll have to share um, uh, an image of one of my artboards in the, in the Facebook group to celebrate the launch of the, or maybe not the launch, but the release of this episode. But once I do that, you know, one is always going to pop out at me. So I, I pursue that until I find, you know, until I think I feel like it's perfect. And then I create a concept presentation, which has an overview of what the direction was and why, you know, I've made these strategic decisions. Um, and then I show the primary, secondary marks, like I show, um, pattern or whatever, you know, graphic elements I've created for that client. It's different every time. And then I show lots of different mock-ups. Um, some clients are product-based, some are service-based. So you're going to have to, you know, tailor that to what, what your client, you know, what their product is. But um, I really, really enjoy including those mock-ups. And I, don't know, I just like using mock-ups because they're really fun. And then you can post them on social and stuff like that. I mean, y'all probably already do that. <laughs> I love mock-ups too. Mock-ups, <laughs> I, I, I just feel like I'm such a nerd about them because like, you Oh know, my gosh, but they look so good. They like look your designs so just good. really come to life. Exactly. Oh, and another thing that I wanted to mention is when I'm designing, this is just a little side tip. I only design in black first then I add color because I find that at least for me, color can be a little bit distracting because sometimes I'm looking at something like, oh, I don't know why I don't like this. And sometimes it's the color, you know? So if you eliminate that, then you just design in black and then add color later. It just kind of isolates those different variables. But yeah, once I create this um, little presentation, it's just little slides, not nothing too crazy, just a little bit of text, a little bit of description. I export as a PDF and then I open up QuickTime and start a screen recording. And I record my voice talking about all of the different elements for, you know, for the client. So rather than getting on the phone with the client, which, you know, some people do and have had great success with, for me personally, I found that recording a screen, like a screen recording of my laptop while I'm running through the, the presentation and then sending the client a link to view that in addition to the PDF, it does a couple of things. First of all, it minimizes like a billion different phone calls that you have to do. You know, like they add up when you start having multiple clients, you know, you just like, sometimes you just don't have time to get on the phone and, you know, phone calls go late and, you know, people have to cancel and reschedule. It just makes it easier um, scheduling wise to, you can present anytime you want to. Um, and then the second thing that it does is it, I feel like it makes it a little bit less awkward. You know, like I feel like when you're presenting a concept to someone in person, they know that you can see their reaction. Yeah. So th like presenting via screen recording eliminates them feeling like they need to react in a certain way, whether that's positively, you know, usually it's, they feel like they need to be really excited about it, even if they still need to think about it or, you know, whatever. So 
by allowing them to kind of experience that concept on their own in their own time in a time and situation that they feel comfortable and then giving them a couple of days like, hey, like, don't worry about responding right away. I want you to sleep on this and really think about it. And I've really found that that gives that allows a client to give such better feedback than right in the moment initial gut reaction. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of how I do it. Yeah. And they might even feel like you're putting them on the spot and they don't want to like hurt your feelings or something. Right. <laughs> right. And so you eliminate all of that confusion by doing a screen recording. Yeah. So I have a question for you, Jen. Yeah. Do you, when you present your one concept method, do you at that point have it in color or do you still have it in black and white? I present in color. Yeah, I only do the black for for me designing. But if there's a logo that has a lot of color in it, and then there's going to be an option for them to do like a one color in case they need to like screen print it on a shirt or something, I'll give them both. Mm -hmm. And if I'm going to do both, then I will show, I don't know, I guess it depends. It really depends on the situation. I want to say like I will show it one color and then multiple colors Mm -hmm. to like introduce color slowly. So... But, you know, I, I, I like I like throwing I like it to look as pretty close to the final, you know, what it's actually going to look like as possible when I do my initial concept. So it's funny, like we call it an initial concept presentation, but it's really just like this is your concept, you know, and like you're just yeah, leaning like the final towards. draft. Yeah, exactly. It's like you don't want to show your client your artboard while you're designing. That would be a nightmare. So, you know, you're really showing them like (laughs) hopefully what's going to be the final version, you know? So, yeah. And yeah, I do the same thing too. I present in um, full color. Although when I was just starting to do the one concept method, I did it in um, black and white. Okay. And and I told the client, Hey, so this is in black and white right now, but we're going to explore color next. And, and she was just like, no, I love it in black and white. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. Yeah. So she decided not to do any color and that's what we went with. But since then, I've done it in color. <laughs> oh, that's actually really funny. Yeah. But that was really interesting how she just like, I'm like, well, maybe like one concept method works that well that <laughs> you can just Honestly, present in black and white and I love it as much. I have not heard of anyone. And I mean, I'm sure there are people out there. You guys should definitely share your experiences in our Facebook group, but I haven't really heard of anyone switching to the one concept method and then not liking it so much that they had to switch back. I've only heard of people switching to it and loving it so much that they, that like you said, that they never look back. Yeah. And if there is someone in the audience that did switch the one concept and had to switch back because they weren't seeing success, then let's talk about it and see maybe where um, something, there was like a gap in the process or something that, um, prevented you from getting that success that Jen and I both keep experiencing constantly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, and like, you know, to caveat this whole conversation, like, you know, I, I do want to make sure that y'all know that whatever you choose, it's going to be very specific to your, like your niche and your audience Mm -hmm. base. Like say you're working with, you know, like, I'm, this is just a, a, a random like, you know, example, but say you're working with an interior designer and they're used to showing their clients multiple concepts and they're really uh-huh. expecting that you show them a couple different directions. And then you kind of like blindside them with the one concept without kind of explaining the why behind it. Um, and then they're left with these unmet expectations. And then that's just not a good, that's not good juju, you know, like, so you have to really read your client um, you ha- in your initial conversations with them. Um, 
and you know, you have to know the industry that they're in um, and know your niche as well. So like, we're not saying that this is the end all be all. Everyone should do this. Um, we're just, we want to share our like amazing um, experiences with it because it's just, it's, it's changed my life pretty much. <laughs> I keep on going like th that sounds really dramatic, but guys, this is a dramatic change in the way that I experience like client refinements. So yeah. Definitely. I completely agree with you. And I feel like I'm giving a lot more value as well um, yeah. because I am presenting what I know is going to be the strongest concept. And it's sort of a waste of time for me and the client to present other ones. Um, exactly. But yeah, like like you said, Jen, sometimes, you know, depending on the client and or what, whatever project you're working on, the one concept method might not be the best method. And over time, you just start to learn what works best. I know some bigger agencies um, do they do like the one concept method, but they do it like times three. So they'll provide three concepts, but each one of them is like fully fleshed out, oh, which wow. is like an insane amount of work, but they're giving, you know, they're doing like thousands of dollars mm -hmm. or tens of thousands of dollars, um, in their projects. So yeah, that's sort of a whole other level. Well, I'll let you guys <laughs> know when I get to that level and we'll do a podcast about it. <laughs> I hope, I, I mean, I don't know, man, that's just, I mean, like, like, like you said, that's like an agency thing. Um, and we're, we're, yeah. we're really, really speaking more towards, um, people who are kind of similar to us, maybe one person or yeah. a small team, but it is really cool. Like we, we really should do a deep dive into the differences between agency life and life as like a solo, um, brand designer, because I feel like there are so many things that we can learn from the agency life. Um, but there are so many things that are so different, but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'll just briefly talk about my one concept presentation. It starts off with when um, I'm speaking with the client before even the proposal is written out. And I tell them the process at the end of our call. And I say, hey, uh, so this is how it's going to work out. We're going to do a brand questionnaire, which is where I gather all of the information, which I then use for my brand discovery phase. And I present the mood board and, you know, the same thing as you, Jen, um, mm -hmm. all of like the mission and tagline and everything else that we're discovering about the uh, brand. And once the client okays that, the discovery phase is really the most crucial part, at least in my experience, to provide a one concept method that is going to be like almost 100% success rate. Yes. Because it's here where you'll see that you're on the same page or not. Mm -hmm. And also like, already getting a vision of what is a client looking for and what's going to be the best solution for what they're trying to do with their business. Um, and then, you know, I start sketching out um, on paper and then the best concepts from there, I'll put them on Illustrator and then explore them even more. And I really don't, like, I don't really do a lot of logos. I'll do maybe like 20 maximum. So and, not, and they're not all like completely fleshed out. They're just more ideas. And I'll like ditch them as soon as I think, okay, that's not going to work. Yeah, that's, um, that's kind of similar to how I do it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And then I present the same as you, Jen, just like, you know, the mock-ups and presentation. I have dabbled with both doing the recording and sending it to the client as well as um, doing it on a video call and sharing my screen. Mm -hmm. And I agree that doing it over a video call um, is can be very awkward, especially yeah. for someone like me who's more introverted. I have a harder time expressing myself verbally when I'm with somebody else, as opposed to if I were by myself with the designs that I've spent so many hours with that feel like another part of me at this point. Mm -hmm. I can 
I can do a lot better with articulating the design concepts and not getting distracted either by um, by anything the client says or anything else that has come up or even just like those little thoughts that come up in your head because of a slight client reaction or something like that. Right. That's I never thought about that. That's a really, really good point. Um, yeah. So I think I, I don't know if moving forward if I'll do 100% uh, video uh, recordings, but that seems to be like the best way for me as well. Let's move on just to the, the, the takeaways from this episode. Um, I feel like it's been pretty straightforward, um, but you know, even if you're scared about switching over to trying one concept, as long as you're upfront and transparent with your client about you know what their expectations should be, I really suggest that you give it a try if you haven't yet. Um, you can you can do it for you know a friend, a project you're doing for a friend, or even for like a conceptual client that, you know, you're just kind of working on to build your portfolio. Um, but I highly recommend that you just give it a try once and, and see how it makes you feel and see, um, how your client responds. Yeah. And as we said before, remember that you are the designer, um, the client hired you for a reason and, uh, they're, they're here to basically take something that they don't really know what to do, um, and give it to somebody that they know knows what to do. So, even if they come in sometimes with their own opinions, you have to remind them. And this is, again, where the discovery phase comes in or the creative brief um, and tell them, hey, remember when we were doing this one thing? Like, how does that align with that? As opposed to aligning with the client's personal taste because exactly. the design can be very subjective too. Yes, so. yes. Um, I I did want to, um, I should have done this earlier, but I wanted to give a shout out to Brie from Rowan Made because she is where I've heard about the one concept method and she is very much against subjective opinions creeping in and messing with the client's experience with your concepts. Always, you know, have a reason for why you make a design decision and then educate your clients on, you know, they should have a reason as to why they ask for a type of um, refinement or, you know, why they want a specific change rather than I like pink or I don't like pink, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. So, yeah. I didn't do the Rowan made course, um, but I did the Spruce Road um, with Jamie Starcevich. I don't remember. Last name. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, I've heard of her. She's amazing. Yeah, Jamie from Spruce Road is the one that taught me about the one concept method in her um, Shareworthy Designers course that I took a few years ago. And I believe it has like almost very, very similar same things as the Rowan made, but she is also really awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I really feel like since, you know, a couple of years ago when I took um, Bree's course, it has really become way more widely accepted as, you know, at least within our own community as a way to do things um, rather than showing multiple concepts. So it's really kind mm -hmm. of growing. And like, as people are finding success with it, I mean, and that's, I mean, that within itself is a reason for you to give it a try because so many people have tried it and loved it um, that, you know, it's, there's gotta be something about it that works, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, we're just, you know, chatting about this and giving our own experiences, but we really want to hear from you guys. Have you had a great experience with the one concept method? Have you had a negative experience with it? You know, have you had a client Frankenstein a logo together? And what was the result? Like, how did it make you feel? We want this to be a conversation because this is a community for us as well. So go and, and go to the Facebook group, um, Better um, a Brand Designer Podcast on Facebook and let us know about your experiences with sharing concepts with your own clients. And we really can 
all learn from each other. You know, better is not about us being better than you. It's not about you being better than anyone else. It's just about all of us together becoming better designers. So that is the reason why we have the Facebook group. Go and use it. It's not weird. Um, we really are so <laughs> excited to, you know, hear from you guys and see your, your, your faces on there. So, yeah. And now we're going to end this episode with our usual inbox question. Today's question is going to be, what does your workspace look like? Jen, do you want to get started? Yeah, I would love to. So in terms of workspace, well, I'm actually really lucky to have my own office in the apartment that my husband and I live in. Um, we have a three bedroom and one of those bedrooms is being used as my office and I was able to decorate it the way I want. I would say it's I have a gallery wall on one side with a lot of really bright watercolors. Um, we got some oranges. I got some hand lettering that I did on there. Um, just It takes up a really, really big wall and it just is so inspirational. It's almost like a giant mood board on my wall. I love it. Um, and then I have my desk, which is a very large white desk and it has my laptop on it and it has my, my money tree plants that I talked about in an earlier episode and it has some... Uh, it has my my lamp and some design books that I use just mainly for a little pop of color. But I generally keep my desk pretty clean because I, I actually realize I move my mouse around a lot when I'm designing. And so I don't <laughs> like having stuff that's going to get in the way of my mouse, um, especially when I'm using the pencil tool. I, I know you guys know what I mean when you're trying to draw something with your mouse. I don't know. I should probably get like a tablet or something. Um, but yeah, I, actually today I... Um, I moved some things in my office around because I wanted to create a little um, yoga space. So right now, mm. half of my workspace is a yoga space. I know it sounds counterintuitive because they're kind of two different things, but just having that space like right next to my desk where I can roll out my mat and, you know, I got my essential oils there and I got a little candle. It just, it makes me feel very calm. So I would say the vibe of my office is very, it's very bright. It's very airy. It's colorful, which is funny because I'm a little bit more of a muted designer. I got my <laughs> colors in my office though. So yeah, that's kind of the vibe, the vibe that my office is. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to interject quickly and say a fun fact about Jen is that she's also a yoga instructor. Oh my gosh. Not yet. I'm still training. <laughs> in training. Soon. Hopefully by the yeah. time this podcast releases, I will have actually um, taught a couple of classes. So yay! Oh my goodness. <laughs> my workspace consists of a little corner in my living room. Um, my husband and I have a one-bedroom apartment on the third floor of um, this small town called Moore Park, California, and we have a nice balcony to my right side which sometimes in my peripheral vision, I'll see this hummingbird that will come up to visit me almost every day. Oh my gosh, that's the cutest thing. Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> just like looks in and then leaves. Um, oh. I like to believe that I'm special, but I think it's really because the neighbor's balcony has like bird seed everywhere. <laughs> oh my gosh, you need to get a hummingbird feeder. Like you actually need to get one. <laughs> oh, I know. But I mean, I'm moving at the end of this month. So. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. It's so sad. But uh, as a recording this month, June. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so all, all it is really is just a corner. Um, to my right side, I have a wall. To my left, I have all of my husband's instruments because he's talented at everything. And um, I just have like a pull-out tray underneath my desk where I have my keyboard and I have my mouse and my mouse pad. And then on the desk itself, I have a second monitor connected to my MacBook Pro. 
And I have the MacBook actually on a bunch of stacks of books of like design things that I have. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so that I'm not like slouching a lot. And then I have my tablet to draw things out on Illustrator. I have it tucked under my uh, monitor. That's actually really smart. I need to get one of those. I really do. Oh, yeah. You're going to love it so much. And you don't even have to get a super expensive one. Like I thought at for the longest time I had to get like a $200, $300 one. Mm -hmm. I got mine at Michael's and it was on sale or I had like a coupon or something and it was very affordable and I don't awesome. think I need anything more fancy than that um and then to my right I have my wander wood block which I show on Instagram sometimes that a friend of mine gave to me um I love her and <laughs> I have um two shelves with like a plant I don't even know what it's called but it just like flows out of the shelf and um comes down almost touching my desk now it's grown so much it, it's Aww. even covering the wander wood block and I love seeing it in my peripheral vision. And I have another plant to my right as well um, on the basket. And that's it. Like, it, I keep it pretty simple. That's awesome. No, I love that. I mean, and that's great, too, because sometimes, you know, I'll take my laptop out of my office when my husband's, like, home and, like, hang out, like, playing video games or whatever. And I'll just, like, do, like, light work where I don't really need to focus very hard, like, exporting or whatever. And we'll hang out, you know? So I guess it's, like, a, it's a blessing, but it can also be kind of distracting sometimes when I do that because I don't work as fast. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, that's awesome that we are concluding our Presenting Concepts to Clients episode. And I hope you guys really got a lot from this. And if you also want to share anything about your workspace or even share any photos then share it on our Facebook group. We'd love to to sneak into your house. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that would be so much fun. Um, all right, well, thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you next time. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Subscribe wherever you're listening to make sure you don't miss an episode. And we'd be forever grateful if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts. We bet you've got designer friends who'd enjoy it too, so share it with them. If you'd like to submit an inbox question for us to answer on air or want to get in contact with us directly or are interested in a guest interview slot, reach out at inbox at betterbranddesigner.com. There are so many amazing conversations happening inside our Facebook community. We'd love to hang out with you in there. Search for Better the Brand Designer podcast to join us. And visit us online at betterbranddesigner.com to learn more about our podcast and each other.